GameForge's In the Hunt, Season 4. Retooled, rearmed with more knowledge to help you reach your performance goals in your next level. In the Hunt members, mount up. It's time for the hunt. Welcome everyone, this is Brian Bailey here bringing you a new installment of In the Hunt. We're going to be talking Forging Players series. Uh, we're jumping ahead to the developing player. Um, so I'm being joined today, not by Mark Sweeney. He is actually caddying at Augusta, which I don't know. To me, if you think of 10 cup, if, you've ever, if you're a golf movie guy, I really see the guy like carrying 10 cups bag and about seven mm-hmm. holes in just sits it down and goes, I can't go any further. And then the player is actually carrying the bag and Mark is just walking next to the player. That's what I envision. Might not be true, but everyone think about it for a second if you know Mark and yeah, you could see that working. But uh, so Mark is off today. So we're going to have Gareth McShay, uh, one of our other contributors within the hunt. And actually, I'm going to hand this off to Gareth because he's actually running the developing series inside of Fuel about Forging Players series. So Gareth, without further delay, how are you? Where are you at? What's going on? And let's get rolling. Hey, Brian, a wonderful description of what you anticipate happening in Augusta this week with Mr. Sweeney. Uh, I'm not saying you're right, but you're probably correct. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm in, a, I'm in a new and exotic country for me. It's my first ever time in Morocco in Marrakesh with a golfing group. Uh, first game was yesterday. It got pretty darn toasty, I can tell you. It was 35, 36 degrees. So um, we've had to move tea times. We've got to go earlier. We've got to get people off the golf course out of that real, real heat, you know, in the middle of the day. Um, but beautiful country and beautiful people really enjoying my time here so far. Uh, yeah, this 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 month we're doing the developing players. You say that's that's for us guys. We define that as shooting roughly 84 to 88. And uh, we're just we're just bringing people through the different scoring levels. Right. And I think I think breaking 85 is such a key number in golf to me, because the minute you break 85, your mind should be going to breaking 80. Yeah, um, you know, and there's so few players being honest about it. There's so few players in the world have managed to to achieve that, and yet we would believe, looking at the data, that it's very achievable, right? Oh, very achievable. The the steps are well defined, and and honestly, they're not nearly as intimidating as as people think. Yes, you're not going to hit it like John Rahm. Yes, you don't have to hit it like your club champion. But to start, you know, walking that step down, it's definitely achievable. And I think again, if you understand what you have to do and you train to it you got a real good chance of getting there. Yeah, I think the um, that, that's really key to me, right? I think that the the, the comprehension we have around the, the, you know, how, how you generate these scores is so deep now and that there's there's a lot of misconception out there, but we know there are certain paths, there's certain steps, and if you, if you follow those paths and take the correct steps, you're pretty much assuring yourself that you will at some stage, it might be instantaneous, of course, but you will at some stage achieve that which you're setting out to achieve. Yeah, you might stumble across it, right? You might fall upon it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think what I think the really cool part about all of it again is is you know as a developing player, uh, you know we kind of break it down into what's important now. Like you know, so if you've been listening to Gareth and Mark and myself before, this is we're kind of working our way all the way to a tour player, and we're actually we're going to add a step. We'll actually make it eight steps and what it looks like to win on tour. But as we're kind of stepping down throughout the whole year, and we're kind of showing you these pieces, you know there. What I see a lot with players is they they tend to be disorganized in what they're training. Most of the time they train what they're good at because they're good at it. They put their head in the sand on things they're bad at because they're just like, well, I can just be really good here and not worry about that. 
But again, I think what, what you start to learn is if you can understand what's important, what you need to achieve and set up a, a good training program around that, um, moving to the next level, especially at the higher levels of golf, moving level to level is, is actually, I wouldn't say easy, but it's definitely attainable. Now, once we break 70, gets it gets a little more challenging, more pieces to juggle, more pieces to understand. But as a developing player, you know, I always tell players, can you hit basically one in four shots inside of six feet for short game? That's good enough. You're good enough to be able to shoot 85 or better. Like you're good enough. But they think again with short game, they've got to get up and down every time and all this. I'm like, no, you don't. You got to get up and down one out of four. That's it. One out of four times when you're chipping, assuming you do other pieces correctly. And then you're like, is that achievable? And most of them will look at you and go, I think I can do that. (laughs) You know, so I think, like I said, again, defining stuff and just giving them what it takes to me is empowering. And and it gives them the ability to create kind of their own pathway forward uh, with with kind of the guidance. You know, we're kind of the Sherpas behind them. Right. Move a little this way. Move a little that way. Grab that rock. No, 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 no. Don't grab that rock. You'll you'll fall a couple thousand feet. So I think the beauty of all this game forge and what we do as performance coaches is, is we help guide them through. But again, a lot of it is self-discovery. And I know you can speak on that, uh, uh, Gareth. That will, I think I'll I'll keep that one, Brian, for the uh, learning training and performance um, presentations that I'm doing this year. But certainly I think if you're going to own something, then there has to be an element of self-discovery within what, what you're doing in your training. And, and I also think that, you know, any any really elite player that I've had the privilege of working with, and, um, you know, we don't create elite players. They, they, they do the work. We guide them, as you say. Um, they all have had that curiosity and are, are very experimental at times in their approach to the game. And you can really see why they then have such ownership and understand the ball flight and understand what they've done with the golf club to create that ball flight. Um, and, and I, I know that in in my interview with Gabe, who's in this exact window within golf right now, he talks about ownership, and I think it's such an important thing for the golfer to own their game and, and to have a comprehension of how they uh, create the results and, and can they actually change the results if they're not quite generating that which they desire. Um, on the journey front, Brian, the, the one thing I would say I, I consistently see is I see people highly motivated at the beginning of the, uh, the journey because. What happens is they get so excited about the potential destination, right? That in their yep. head, they've almost got there already. So they completely overestimate what they're going to achieve in the first week or the first month. But but they also then tend to completely underestimate what they could achieve over six months to 12 months. You know, you, you give us guys a right player with the right attitude and we can guide them to some amazing results over 12 months, right? Oh, very much so. I've, I've, I've seen countless examples from all the different coaches around the world using um, basically kind of the forging players template and saying, here's how we're going to move it. And again, I think, I think the key part, when you kind of say ownership, if you take ownership to me, that's kind of an ethos, right? I'm owning what I'm doing. I, I know my plan is working. Now there's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. I'm going to have setbacks, all this. But if my ethos says, you know, over the next six months, my journey is to, you know, I'm going to try to move these pieces and evaluate in six months. What's this look like? If you have that as kind of your guiding principle, you're much willing, more willing to stay on the plan opposed to, I always say, fairy dust, pixie dust, whatever. Player hits that first wall, maybe a piece regresses, something changes in the game because they're highlighting a certain area. They don't train another area, so they start to lose something they're good at. And all of a sudden, they're in a quandary going, oh, my God, this is not working. 
So now let me go chase pixie dust. And then they go to YouTube and say, show me golf hack. Or, you know, oh my yeah. God, said professional that, you know, Tiger Woods selected as being one of the best golf coaches in the world because he let him look at his golf swing is going to be in my town charging $700 an hour. I'm going to go spend an hour with him and he's going to fix me or she's going to fix me that, that kind of attitude. So I think what, you know, like I always tell my players and, and I always and say I this when I with any player is this is a journey and you own it. My job is to give you the tools to kind of navigate, you know, I can help you when you're down, you know, I can bring you down if you're too high. Like my job is to help manage you to get to where you're going. But my job as a true coach is to allow you to get there on your own path in your own way. And I just kind of, you know, I just help manipulate pieces to help get you there quicker. Uh, but, you know, truly, you know, if you're a good coach, and this is a question I get all the time from coaches is, you know, what makes a great tour coach? What makes a well great tour coach? You got to be available. Go, go travel. If you go follow them, you got a really good chance. Number one. And number two is you got to be able to manage the person and what they're trying to achieve more so than just technique. Coaching is not just technique. That's a piece. So again, I think if you got a player on a journey, they're owning what they do. They, they're the best representation of what they do. They, they need to be able to sit down and anybody in the world can sit across from them and they can explain what they're doing. Doesn't matter what John Rahm's doing. It doesn't matter what the best player in the club's doing or somebody in their foursome's doing. They have to own what they do. And for me as a coach, so if you want to be a great coach, get your player to understand what they're accomplishing, what they're trying to do, and let them let them set the guide and, and kind of set the pace. And then you, like I said, fill in the gaps to try to make that, that journey as smooth as you can as, as a coach. But again, I want them to fail. And, that, and I think that's another piece that, you know, as coaches, we do a bad job. Of. We try to protect our players. We don't want them to fail. We, we hide bad swings. We hide bad scores. We hide bad this, that. You're doing such a disservice to your player because you know what life's hard golf is really hard you're gonna fail and you're gonna fail a lot you know it, it's just you know i would probably say tiger was one of the best golfers in the world right he's probably hit more balls in the lake than i ever have and i'm not very good but he just plays so much more his his his, his density is much higher but he's probably hit more balls in the lake than i ever have Oh, so therefore I'm better than Tiger Woods. Come on, people. Like, so again, we've got to understand everything's not perfect. And from those mistakes is when we learn. So inside of this journey as a coach, again, push them forward. You get out of the way. It's not about you. I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> to coaches. Get out of the way. Let them lead and kind of facilitate and help them on their journey. And again, if you can establish, here are our goals. These are the numbers we have to hit, you know, as a developing player, 20% scramble, you know. Uh, what is it? You know, basically one birdie per round. Like, so we're not gonna make a lot of birdies. So when we have them, let's celebrate the hell out of them because we're not gonna have many of them. You know, we're gonna have roughly seven bogeys. So again, seven bogeys, we're gonna miss four. You know, we're gonna miss twelve greens ish. It's okay. Like, get up and down when you can and things like that. Eliminate doubles, but again, doubles are still gonna be high. Accept them. So again, again, if you can kind of give them the the outline of what it looks like. And then during a round, you can navigate that, you know, depending on the player. But, uh, you know, for me as a coach, and when I look at a player, you've really got to put the emphasis on them and let them go. You know, don't don't be the control freak and, you know, everything runs through me. Uh, I've seen that with a lot of coaches over the time, and that's a really bad way to coach. Um, 
So to me, again, that's it's that, that ownership model. And, and that's just Uncle Brian, just speaking from experience and watching a lot of really good golf coaches make life really miserable for a lot of golfers. There's, there's a lot of what you just said there, Brian, but, you know, the, um, the one thing I talk a lot about to, to players, there are two things actually I'm going to highlight here because you, you've mentioned one. You've got, you've got to take responsibility for your golf game. As a player listening to us guys right now, you have block off a tee and then turn around your coach and go, oh, man, the wind didn't move it. That's not taking responsibility, and you can't learn from that mistake if you refuse to own it. So you've got to 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 own the learning you admit happened. You don't have to you don't have to own the mistake, but you just have you want to take the knowledge from it. You want to take the learning from it. So I really see people at times coming up with some weird and wonderful excuses, if you like, you know, for for their performances or for their lack of performances, it may well be. Um, but I love the player who come in and just, man, I, I didn't have it today. I'm not really sure what's going on. Can I have a conversation with you and we'll look at some stuff and be like, yeah, of course, let's let's figure this out. Because in reality, Brian, when you when you commit to a journey, you know, one piece of advice I would give anybody who's who's thinking about jumping on our train and you should because we're awesome and we'll get you to your destination, right? Um, is it? it uh, it takes courage to put yourself out there. So put, you know, tell people you're about to embark on the journey because it tends to keep you more committed and completing the, 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 the ride as such. Um, and then the other word you use there, which is massive and it's massive in life, never mind sport, never mind something like golf, which basically, you know, you're going out for 18 holes of being slightly slapped around, um, is ex- acceptance. You, you know, you've got to be Teflon coded in terms of outcomes. So no matter what happens, you can just shrug the shoulders and go, well, bugger it and get on with it. Get, get you know, get up, find the ball and deal with whatever it is you've just generated. Uh, and, and I think that when you, when you deal with elite athletes and I'm lucky to work with athletes and different codes, they are very stoic. Most of the time to them, like we'll see, it's not they're not emotional. I think people make a mistake and they think that stoicism is about being non-emotional. They're highly emotional, just like all of us. We are emotional creatures, but they are much more in control in that they will have an emotional person go, oh, hold on, this could derail my entire round of golf here if I let this. They can, they can get back on track and, and uh, get their emotions to where they can perform at their best. I'm sure you saw that a lot with some of the collegiate players you worked with. Yeah, I think... I think the emotional piece is very fascinating because we had players that needed to vent on the golf course to perform. And we had players that showed zero, you know, people be like, Oh, nothing affects them. Oh God, no, you have that conversation after the round, they're a mess. But on the golf course, they were able to put up a, a facade of in their head. Trust me, if we, if we had AI reading exactly what they were thinking to themselves, it would be bleep, 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 expletive, you know, it would not be positive self-talk. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I think, again, like you said, for the player, but to me, if you have that overriding goal or or understanding a cornerstone and ethos or whatever you want to call it, this is my path. This is what I'm doing for the next six months, year. I'm committed to X, Y, Z. When you're on the golf course and things aren't going right, you still have that to hold on to. Like like you said, you know, you talked about this in, in some of your videos inside of training. If, you know, again, if I know I'm 50% up and down and I just missed my first two up and downs in my head, I can play a very simple game. My next two, I know I'm getting up and down because I have to. That's what I do. That's what I've trained to. That's what I'm prepared to do. So, you know, you can play those games. And, and again, having good training, having good understanding and having that building block. So this is what I've already achieved. I know I can hit this. I can do this shot. You know, I have this dispersion. I, I understand my game. That 
even when things are going badly and things seem to be unraveling, when you have those that 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 ability to go, I know I can do this. It's not going my way right now, but you know, two holes from now, you know, everybody knows golf, right? You can play the best nine holes of your life and then play the worst nine holes of your life, right? You can play yeah. the best three holes and the worst three holes. And that can continue for 18 holes. Like that's the beauty of this wonderful, wonderful game you all chose to play. And I, I you guys did all choose to play this. Um, <laughs> so, so we're all a little masochistic in our own way, but that, that understanding of, again, it, it's important. If, if you, I always say golf is a, is the most emotional game on earth because you got six hours to play golf. Collegially, collegially is about a six hour round. Like it's, it's miserable, right? But Keep you have people. <laughs> Please do. But even at four hours, you got a lot of time to think and a lot of times for things going through your head. And, and again, so it's very emotional and we react to what just happened a lot opposed to, well, that just happened. Why? Well, I know working with Gareth, I know when I tend to hit this shot, I my tendency is this. So now in the fairway, I getting ready for my next shot, I can practice the move or or whatever that is to get me in the right mindset to hit the next shot. So the beauty is, again, as you own it and as you accept that there's going to be some setbacks, as you train better, as your goals are better, you know, that that gives you a little bit of protection. And I always tell players, too, if we're in the Forging Players series and my short game, it's supposed to be 25 percent and it's up at 40 percent. OK, let's go to 45. <laughs> like, like We're going to keep setting the bar forward. Don't stop. But but, you know, those pieces are we've got to understand that there's going to be especially at the higher levels, we might overachieve somewhat in some of the zones just because there's more fudge room. The higher we are, there's you know, you can move some pieces a little bit differently. But once you break 80, the, you know, that window goes. Whoo. So, again, <laughs> and so understanding that concept of what's important now and, and how can I do it? And and like I said, you know, with my son, he's kind of he's right now at he's kind of in developing and he's really pushing next level, which for him is proficient, which is kind of getting that breaking, you know, he's broken 80 a couple of times, but he wants to average breaking 80. So for him, he's, he's really hitting his head against the wall right now because the numbers aren't coming with him. Uh, but watching him playing against him, watching him train, I see a lot of pieces moving. It's just the fact that, you know, all these pieces are moving, but they haven't, it's not like a gift. It hasn't all been tied and wrapped up perfectly. You know, one day, all of a sudden, they're all just going to kind of mesh. And all of a sudden, he's just going to stand on a tee box one day and go, wow, I just shot 77. You know, it's going to be that because all the pieces are moving where they need to go. But again, he's getting frustrated, which I love because, again, he wants right. it. He, he he understands it. And again, it's it's fighting. It's providing him fuel. So he actually trains a little bit harder in the afternoon because his goal is to break, you know, to consistently shoot. So again, but he also understands here are the numbers I have to hit. And again, he's hitting a lot of the numbers as a proficient player, but his score isn't just there yet. So the beauty is we're like, you're there, you're there. The score is going to show. And for him having that understanding, he's like, okay, I'm, I just got to keep, I'm doubling down on what I'm doing because it's working and I know it's going to show up. And, and to me, that attitude, that faith, of what I'm doing and where I'm going, and this is going to take me there. And inside of GameForge, we have millions of golf shots. We have hundreds of thousands of just rounds played. We know what it takes to shoot certain numbers. We share that with you. And and again, if you kind of understand this is what it kind of looks like, your 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 training path and your understanding of how to get there is definitely easier. I'm a much better coach today knowing these numbers than I was three or four years ago when I had 
no clue. And as I was researching this podcast, it was really funny. I, I put in seven steps to the arenas. Gareth actually kind of came up with that from our forging players that here's the seven steps if you wanted to play tour, right? So I give Gareth full credit for seven steps to the arena. I actually typed that in my, my search engine on my computer to find, and I found the very first forging players things I created for this in 2020, November 2020. So right before COVID, <laughs> I had this huge spreadsheet laid out of, oh my God, I think we can do this. We have enough data that we can kind of see what this really looks like. And I was actually sitting at a Panera Bread when I was doing this, which in the States is really bad, good for you food, I think. I don't know what it is. Plug Panera if you want to sponsor us now. So I was sitting there and I came up with this whole spreadsheet and I called Mark Sweeney. I go, oh, shoot, Mark, why haven't we been doing this before? Oh, I've never seen anything like this. A reoccurring theme with Mark and I talk. I've never seen anything like this before. Why has nobody else done this? <laughs> um, but we have. So again, the beauty of all of it is, you know, what does it take for you to reach whatever goal you want? Can you set a timetable to it? Probably not because we all achieve differently and we're able to apply different amounts of time to get wherever. So it's not so much in six months, I need to be here. What I always tell players in six months, are we better? And are we still working to that next goal? Now, six months, we might achieve it. We might have to rearrange. So Gareth, what's like time-wise, that's something I see where a lot of players break down is they, they say in three months, I want to be here. And if they're not there, they're like, oh, I failed. So what can you do to that player that does a lot of that? So, yeah, it's funny. I was going to actually mention this myself um, based on what you were saying there, Brian. I think the one key thing that players need to understand is that learning and developing, it's it's not a linear process. It doesn't just, you know, you don't begin the journey and then each week see a 2% improvement or whatever the case may be. Um, some weeks you will be like Gavin banging the head off the wall and other weeks you're just going to see this massive you know, jump that is somewhat inexplicable, but it's really everything coming together between the movement patterns and the brain nervous system, the thinking, all that. Um, and so it's to me, it's essential for players who are committed to the journey that they continue to perform assessments on the journey. So if I let's let's just use scrambling, you've spoken about a little bit. If I started my my journey at 15% and I'm still showing 15% in the golf course, but I go back and look at my assessments over three months and suddenly I go, hold on, I'm actually at 27% of my assessments. This is going to click. The data tells me the skills are being created. They're not quite consolidated enough yet to show up in the in the arena, if you like, in, on the golf course but they're definitely happening in the background. Well, it's only a matter of time before you will bring that skill out onto the golf course and hit a shot someday and go, wow. And oftentimes probably people go, wow, where did I come from? And like, we're like, are you kidding me? We've been working on this for three months. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always tell, I always tell players in the beginning, like as their assessments are getting better inside of training sessions, as pieces are getting better, more comfortable and they get mad that it's not going to the golf course. I said, you're leasing it right now. You don't own it. Like yeah. you're, you're in lease mode. Like this is not ownership, right? So it's going to show up on occasions. It's going to be really spectacular at times, but it's not going to happen every time until you really own it. So again, I always, I, I probably say that to Gavin. I'm like, dude, you're just leasing it right now. You don't own it yet. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, that mindset of like, yes, it's coming it's coming be patient, keep training, keep getting better. That it will slowly trickle into the game. Um, and again, you don't know when, and that's the, I think to me, that's the most fun part of it as a coach is you're doing all this building. It's not there. It's not there. And then you get that one phone call from some player somewhere in the world. And they're like, Oh my God, this just happened. And you're like, congratulations, your hard work is paying off. 
You know, yeah. that's the that's the beauty of it all. And I think, again, a lot of times I know in the well, the Western culture is give it to me now, give it to me fast and give it to me a lot. Right. Yeah. What we've got to understand is we've got to be patient in this journey because the beauty of golf, there's way too many skill sets to get really good, really fast. There's just too many pieces that have to move. Now, if I had to do one thing only, you could probably move a player pretty quickly. If I just wanted them to be the best putter at three feet, I could probably take a player and get them to be really proficient at three feet. Now, they couldn't do anything else. They could never get to three feet, but I could probably really quickly make them one of the best three-footer putters in the world. It's just a skill that's just not very handy. Um, So, again, just kind of understanding what it takes, understanding that, and we've talked about this in every podcast, anytime, every video series that we've done for forging players, it's not moving one piece. It's moving a lot of pieces. It's, it's 5% here. It's 3% here. It's 12% here. It's 1% here. And it's all these little pieces, like I said, and to me, it, it really is a present. All these little pieces finally come together and you put them in a box and tie it up. And then all of a sudden you got a brand new game, uh, but moving all those pieces into that one box really is a challenge. And again, that's where you as a player need to own it. We as coaches need to facilitate and allow you to get there. And if we can do that, then you're a really good coach. You're a really good player. You're going to enjoy this game of golf much better because I don't care what people say. This is not a fun game when you shoot really high numbers. It's a very frustrating game. Uh, so no, right. I think I think if you're playing bad golf, you'd be better off getting a little dog and throwing a ball because no matter how bad you are throwing the ball, the dog will go and bring it back to you. He'll uh, love you for it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just just going on a golf course and you know topping the ball and hitting in the water that wears you down, man. That's that's a hard way to spend what should be about four hours, but according to Brian, there it's about six hours of your life, right? <laughs> um, and 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 really, there is no excuse now. We have the data. We understand what it takes to to create better golfers. The numbers are there in the background I, I i feel a player who kind of who gets lost in the journey and oftentimes has done some pretty good work but then just gives up well it's because the player doesn't understand the journey and maybe their coach didn't understand the journey so you know i had a conversation last i, I shared it with yourself and mark recently i met some people uh, it was through the junior program and they just kept saying to me short game short game short game short game short game and i went no they've got to get to the green efficiently that's what we need so you know, our job is to is to reduce the dispersion between their really bad shot and their good shot. So their bad shots become a little bit more functional. They get to the green more efficiently, right? And, and they still, they were still going, no, no, short game. We always hear the commentators talking about the short game. And so I went, okay, let's do a quick experiment. Little Timmy takes 10 shots to reach the green and chips and putts every time. He's got an amazing short game. Yeah, okay. 12. <laughs> I said, okay, let's just remember he made 12. I said, little Johnny hits it in the green in two and four putts. He's still... He's still twice as good at golf as little Timmy is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it that, took that story for, for what I was sharing with them. It took that story. We have a lot of myths in golf that we're, like, we're, we are on our own journey here. And I would say that to everybody. We're not trying to go out and throw rocks at anybody else. We're not particularly interested in what other people are doing. There's some great stuff going on uh, in, in, in golf. But our journey, we know what it takes to move people. And that's our obsession. Like, we want to help people get to their next level, whatever it's going to be, right? No, I agree. And I'll give you a really funny story. I have a friend of mine, uh, older, 50, I think he's 52 now, just started to play golf. He's in real estate. People have been saying, play golf with us, play golf. So he actually came to me for a lesson. Like I'm like, oh, God. Uh, he's never even touched a golf club in his life. Like, didn't even, like, didn't understand. Like, he's like, I know absolutely, I've never hit a golf ball in my life. So what we did is for a couple of weeks now, we've just been hitting like little half and three quarters, seven irons. Kind of the club he's kind of 
found that it's kind of his favorite. And he hits it about 150 yards, 145 yards, pretty straight. And I looked at him. I said, when are you going to play with your friends? He goes, I'm actually, he's going to play this weekend. I said, well, what's your plan? He goes, well, I'm going to hit, you know, I'm going to play golf with them. I go, no, no, no. What's your goal? He goes, I don't know. I go, how about let's break a hundred. He's, he just looked at me and he's like, well, how do I do that? I go, you know, that club in your hand right now. I go, how far does it go? He goes about 145. I go, so if you play a 350 yard hole, how many shots would it take you to get on the green? If you hit that, he goes three. I go, and then you two putt, that's a bogey. And he just kind of looked at me, he goes, yeah. And he, I go, you're going to play with these guys and they're all going to hit drivers. You know what you're going to do? You're going to grab a driver and you're not going to be able to control it. And you're going to make quad. I said, or do you want to break a hundred? And he goes, I, I would love to break a hundred the first time I officially play golf. Now he's not going to break a hundred, but, but at least I've put that goal for him. I've given him a plan of attack, like, you know, hit the club that you can control and he can, you know, he can hit some little chip shots and stuff like hit the clubs you can control own what you can do, forget everybody else. And your goal is to break a hundred, see what happens. So I'm curious to see what he shoots. Uh, he, yeah. he said he texted me this weekend, but, but again, I changed the game for him. I, it wasn't, go hit shots I can't hit. No, that's not sport. Sport is what am I capable of? Can I put myself in that condition as much as possible? And can I perform them from there? That's what you should be doing as a golfer. And that's kind of this forging player series. This is what I should, this is what I can and can't do as of right now. Doesn't mean I can't learn to be better, but if my goal is to break 85, I've got to hit the shots and do the things management wise, managing my game uh, to, to allow that to happen. And I think a lot of times, we as coaches and players do this really bad. They don't think what is their true goal. You know, their true goal, they think their true goal is to birdie every hole. You're averaging 88. You're not going to birdie every hole. So what can we do? How can we change those managements, those expectations, and get them to play the golf course as they're capable of playing it? And then they're actually amazed on what happens. And I think um, in your interview with Gabe, that that came out a couple times where he's just like, I play the golf course completely different than I used to because now I know what I'm capable of. And I think, again, once again, once you understand who you are, you have ownership of what you do, man, this, this game, shooting numbers becomes much more logical and a lot easier to do if you actually understand how I'm going to do it, opposed to hope is a, we all know hope is a bad strategy. But most of us play with hope. I hope today's going to be a good day. I just hit a great range session before I'm teeing off. Today is going to be a good day. And then your first shot, you hit in the woods and it's all over. You know, just, I, yeah. I just made triple. Uh, right. So, again, you've got to understand, again, your capabilities and what that looks like. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump in here real quick and we'll let's play your interview with Gabe. And then we'll follow yeah. up real quick with that. And then uh, we'll end this podcast. So, take it away, Gareth. It's time to enjoy In the Hunt conversation. Because context matters. Hey there in the hunt listeners, uh, field members, Gameforge members. This is Gareth McShay bringing you um, In the Hunt podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by a client of mine, a friend of mine, Gabe McGloin. And Gabe and I are going to have a conversation on his golf game. He is perfectly within that developing player category. So we're going to have a chat about the journey that he's had up to this point, And of course, the journey that we envisage going forward. Gabe, thank you for joining me this afternoon. How are you doing today? Great, Gareth. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Um, current standard of golf would be approximately what? Um, I would say um, in terms of shooting 
for 18 holes. Yeah. Mid mid 80s. Mid 80s. Mid, mid to high 80s, but but mid 80s is now within 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 range, consistent range. Yeah, yeah. great. And and last year when we sort of said let's 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 do things properly because we we just kind of looked at the overall situation and said hold on we need a plan here we need a pathway we recorded some runs in GameForge and that pathway became fairly evident right yeah. And thereafter, I devised a training program, and Gabe has stuck to it. There's a little hint in there, folks, if you want to get better at something. And um, uh, yeah, so we, we, we could see that, you know, you could see your handicap moving, we could see different parts of the game move, and this year now, we're really going after that developing player. We want you breaking 85 consistently and knowing how to break 85 consistently. Um, what was the kind of key stuff that you felt last year came together for you to allow you to start to break 90 consistently? Uh, yeah, well, season. I mean, th this time last year, I hadn't broken 90 around my own golf club, right? And, and then I broke it by four or five for the first time and was able to consistently shoot mid-80s. Um, the, the key thing was uh, just getting the, getting rid of those big misses off the tee. That was the first thing. Yeah. I, I, both both big misses. Yeah, so, so we had... When, when I looked at Gabe's data, for those of you who are listening in audio rather than watching this, um, when I looked at Gabe's data, it told me that there were too many penalties off the tee, too many disruptors, there were shots being lost you know, very quickly off the tee box, and it's just not possible to get that back on the other holes that you're playing. So we really attacked just getting the ball in play correctly, and therefore you're a good iron player, and therefore we were able to get you to the green much more efficiently thereafter. Um, one of the interesting things with your game is – if anything, you would be guilty of overperforming with your short game. Yeah. You, you you have a very very good scramble percentage, and that's a that's a good foundation. But it does highlight something else, folks. And we spoke about this, you and I, that um, the short game won't get it done on its own. The short game can save us now and again. It certainly contributes to the score that we generate. But we had a long chat around the fact that you just can't short game your way to better golf, and it really was a tee shot for you and the, the approach shots that we had to to work hard on. Uh, to develop things um, the the greens and regulation one for us as well we, we targeted that to try and get you hitting more greens yeah. less stressful golf basically yeah, yeah. and uh, you know when you play now what would you expect in, in terms of greens and regulation sort of over nine holes would you what would you say roughly you'd be hitting uh, including the aprons because we found out that the aprons were very handy around Castle Golf Club because That's true. they're part of the green and if I if, if, if you take maybe a club less and then hit it into the apron you're taking the bunkers that are in high out of play yeah. and you're leaving yourself with a putt right so you know probably nine holes you know probably three greens in regulation and hopefully three aprons yes. as well yes yeah, and that, that, that's a good point, actually, in terms of the, the, the tactics that you've been employing because the golf course that Gabe plays um, week in, week out, it's a narrow golf course. It's a classic kind of city parkland golf course. Uh, the emphasis is not really on distance. The emphasis is much more on control. So it's a good point you're saying if you can get you into that apron area, you're a very good long putter, and therefore that's playing to one of your strengths. So three greens in reg would, would be ideal for that developing player. We're looking for that player to hit six to seven greens in regulation, you know, Three, three per nine holes it would be fantastic, um, and that that takes a lot of stress off the short game. And then when we looked at, you know, your your P six, well, how many times were we getting you into that on the green in one shot less than par, which is giving you obviously a par putt inside six feet? And you and I spoke about that because 
when you were shooting, you know, early 90s, that's around about 10% for any player. We needed to get that to roughly 20% for you. And um, we found that that combination of hitting more greens and thereafter you're scrambling which i've said is good we, we just managed to generate a lot more of those p6s you're up at around 25 percent which is a very high standard um the you know the, the key elements then for you this year when we look at your game is we've got to move some things just a little bit to get you a little bit neater a little bit tighter definitely remove any penalties off the tee box and then i guess it's more greens and regulation we, we, we we're, we're looking at very quickly getting you under 80. yeah yeah, I, I think it's. I, I feel it's 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 there. I think a key thing last year as well, from both you know working with you and playing with you was, um, and, a, and a couple of people mentioned this to me, um, is that my decision making. They said your course management is is now is now in place. Whereas I think most most a lot of amateurs right, there's very little decision course management. Yes. Right. But um, it was said to me, you're 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 managing your way around the golf course very very well. Yeah, um, you know things like, you know, if you shoot the pin and it's 170, it's not a 170 iron you need to take. It's a 150 iron to land it, especially in summer. Yes, you know, to land it easier to hit 150 than 170. That type of thing, for sure. Um, added to a lot of, you know, because our green slope back to front, so it's really about landing it 20 yards short and then hopefully getting a nice little kick up there. Yeah, um, that made such a difference. Yeah, that's a great point that they. Um, the, the, there's a good place to miss on golf courses as such and as you're saying in Castle Golf Club to go over the back of the greens you're now chipping onto very small undulating greens with quick surfaces uh, if that pins at the back of that green and you've short-sighted yourself you really won't get that up and down um, and I think the other thing you were you're indicating which is kind of interesting from a, from a psychology perspective is you have to start managing your game better one because it gets so annoying to hit these big numbers by doing something silly you're taking on an incorrect shot but also as a handicap reduces and you suddenly realize you haven't as many shots to play with then you have to start thinking a little bit differently don't you yeah yeah no you do um and look you know the the, the short game piece just comes from you know we have a great short game facility spending a lot of time in that with the kids or on my own or you know with, with my buddy um really putting the time into that so on the golf course you know you always talk about um feel don't think and particularly in the short game, right? Not thinking about that chip or that pitch and just being able to to feel it because yes. you've done it so many times, that made a huge difference as well. Yeah, that, that's just to clarify around that one for you folks, um, feel don't think means we're, we're feeling the execution of the motion or we're feeling the motion itself. We're not thinking technically. We're obviously thinking in terms of shot selection, um, environmental cues that we're getting from the golf course, but we're not thinking technique. It's much more an athletic execution once it comes to those those golf shots and even like we've been working with similar stuff off the tee trying to get you feeling certain shapes or feeling certain shots and that's definitely been helping things a little bit as well hasn't it oh yeah massively massively so you know yeah you're right i mean i i want to hit more greens i want to be on the apron more so i, I can use the putter I, I still would rather hit a long range putt than have to chip over a bunker right even though my, my chipping the pitching is pretty okay but um, so yeah, getting getting into that kind of good position, even if it's short of the green, to let me put up the green is going to be is going to be um, that's the focus for this year. Yeah, less reliance on the chipping. As a matter of interest, um, you know, we we we've worked a lot together in the last fourteen months, but I think it's it's um, 
you know, I asked you to commit to a journey and, and the journey is never seamless. So for anybody listening, it's, it's not seamless, regardless of the level of the player that, that I or any other coach is working with. There will be ups and downs. There will be challenges. There will be unanticipated challenges that appear along that way. And, you know, what was it like for you in terms of sticking with the plan and, and adhering to it, even when things weren't going maybe as, as we would have liked them to? Yeah, I suppose just trust and, and belief in, 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 in you and, the, and your process. Um, and I suppose... We were, um, we weren't, you know, we were probably hitting balls together once every two, three weeks. Um, so it wasn't that I, I, I was finding it was, it was too much and, and too intense. You know, even playing golf, I, I think we're certainly my level. Um, we're better off, you know, maybe not playing for a couple of weeks and being excited again to, to play golf. Yeah, there's such a thing as too much golf. I mean, if the pros they don't play competitively. You know, when they can get to a certain level, they don't have to play competitively every week. I think it's better for their golf. I watch people go out for a, a, a casual nine holes on a Friday morning. They're putting themselves under so much pressure to, to, to write a number on the card in what's just a friendly nine holes Friday morning thing. Yes. And that should be the time to try things and to take, a, you know, take, um, you know, one club less and hit it in a slightly different place and see what that kind of brings. So just relaxing right is, sure is a, is a huge part of it yeah you, you said to me several times uh, and this really resonated with me that because we had a plan because there was a pathway to progress for your next level that even when things weren't exactly as we would have liked them you always felt you were in a safe place to use you know for want of better terminology because you knew that that plan was in the background uh, and what we were doing was not hope or it was, there were strategies or tactics um, basing it off that game forge next level we knew where we had to go we knew what we had to do and and yet we, we had to give you a, a, you know the the opportunity as you say to get out of the golf course and experiment try different things and figure out what fits your game best versus me telling you exactly how to execute things well and, and you know what really helped with that was you know in the winter here because because we did a lot of work from november through march and and in that period um in the club we had only nine hole competitions, let's say, on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And nine holes was perfect to see our things kind of our things kind of being taken to the golf course that we had worked on in practice. Yes. Eighteen holes is long. You know, you, you have you have peaks and troughs in eighteen holes, but totally. nine holes was nice because you could see the progression. Yes. After nine holes, you go, Oh, I hit four fairways, I hit four greens in regulation, you know, I could up and down two or three times. And, and it was it was very easy to remember everything in that nine hole round, and then give you a little bit of comments. Okay, it is tracking. Yes. Way. Yeah, and funny you you um, I remember you called me one day saying, listen, you know what? I had it for three holes, but it didn't stay for the full nine, and then you know it, it progressively built up, uh, and then you called me quite excited one day and said, this thing has just clicked. I got it for the entire nine holes, but it certainly wasn't. Um, it, again, it wasn't immediate. There was this build up, and that's true, folks. For any of you generating and consolidating new skills that there's there's this period where it will appear fleetingly in practice then it will become more reliable in practice but that doesn't necessarily transfer immediately onto the golf course where we're getting one opportunity maybe you have a card in your hands and you really want to execute a certain shot so it is it is a it's just a progression through time and of skill development um, and then when it does show up, boy, is that exciting, right? It's sort of the fruits of your labor really on view, of not only in the, on the golf course, but on the scorecard as well. But you really have to build, right, for, to, 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 hold, to keep it going for 18 holes, right? You're, you're, you're allowed some bad swings, of course you are, but 18 holes, you know, it's a lot of holes, it's a lot of swings, you know? So I, I think the way we built up to that, because when the 18 holes came in March, April, 
you know, I won back-to-back monthly medals. Yes. Right. Um, after this kind of five-month plan we had, which was, you know, which was very, very exciting, and it did then hold up for eighteen holes. After like probably fifteen nine holes, all our, all our sessions, all the practice, um, you really have to build, right? It just yeah. doesn't click straight away. Yeah, I'm still waiting on the commission check, by the way, on that one. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the other thing that's been really interesting, and I love this when we, when we do develop correct training plans, is your time commitment has not been crazy, right? You're, you know, you're a busy guy in terms of your profession. You've got young family. Um, but we were still able to manage this in the background. And one of the, one of the things that I get sort of told week in, week out by players is, I'd love to do this, but I haven't got the time. But in actual fact, your time commitment wasn't huge, or it wasn't? Well, little and often was your mantra, right? It was, it was um, you know, find somewhere to hit balls. You know, if you're lucky enough to have somewhere you can hit balls nearby, and you can do it for 20 minutes, um, three, four mornings a week. And you told me, if you're hitting it well, 30 golf balls is all you need to hit. Stop waiting for it to go wrong, right? 30 <laughs> yeah. golf balls. And that's kind of the number I have in my head. Yeah. Um, for a kind of a day I'm not playing, I just go over for 20 minutes. And I think about those, and, I, and, and every one of them, just think about it's a key shot, you know, on the, on the golf course that means something. It's not just taking, you know, taking 30 swipes, you know? Yes. Um, so it can be a, can be a 20-minute, half-hour process for 30 to 40 balls, and that's a, that's a good number. But no, little and often, I think. I do think less is more with, with golf practice. Certainly, if you're practicing the wrong things, which a lot of people are because they aren't going down the, the coaching pathway. Um, I mean, that, that was the great thing for you is we knew what, what you needed to do. And therefore, you were mindful during your practice, as you say, you weren't just out beating balls and going to a driving range and getting a bucket of 200 and swiping at them. This was, you know, somewhat methodical. It was a plan. It was still, it was still a lot of fun because I was encouraging you to find experimental within your own practice sessions as well. The rules of game phase attending different shots. If you laugh. And, uh, you earn a point. And, After and experimenting five minutes, with different and playing the, the most golf points course in your mind, as you say, it's a great way to train as well, isn't it? Particularly if, if there is a tie, maybe it's After five stumped minutes, you a few times, then you get out of that range and figure out different ways this of attending it. Played throughout um, the I believe you did that on the shorter par fours. At the end of the year, the player with the worst um, record has to take out the other two. So it's time to enjoy game face. Yeah, it did, and it's it's not even the top. I think it's handicap maybe 13 um so it's a relatively short par par four but um it's quite narrow but yeah these things get in your head and and and, and then actually you know at that point where i got my couple of wins i think i hit four iron there twice yeah you know you just completely switched it up just completely completely switched it up yeah because there's no scar tissue with the four iron right it was a, it was kind of you were you you were free to have a go absolutely yeah absolutely um but thinking about the holes, and you know, I have a hole in mind now that um, that I, I used to be able to kind of handle well, and now it's in my head a little bit. So now when I'm, and it's only a nine iron, let's say, um, par three, 13, and now when I'm on the practice range, I'm thinking about the tee shot 13. Yeah, yeah. I know that I know Tiger um, always spoke about when he was finishing his warm-up, he would put himself in the first tee box in his mind, and he would, he would hit whatever club he knew he was going to hit off the first tee, and if it didn't work, he would put the club back in his golf bag, take his glove off, execute full routine. And he would just do that until he hit the shot he wanted to see. And the minute that happened, he would stop. So, um, you did know. He ever, did he ever win back-to-back tournaments? I actually don't know. I'd have yeah, to check yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I know he won a couple over the years. Uh, in terms of your mental performance, because, you know, that's an area that I tend to work on a lot with players. Um I, I personally would have said that you having such a clear pathway really helped your mental performances as well. Did you feel that? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I remember the second win. In fact, it was a really bad day, and I, I, I'm, I'm I'm a naturally quick player. You know, like kind of you've always said, my rhythm is kind of quick. But that day it was rainy and it was bad. I remember I was carrying a little bit of an injury. And I slowed everything down for myself. And I did things like I hung my towels inside the umbrella with the umbrella up so they weren't getting wet on the back. And I was taking off my glove and putting it away so it wouldn't get wet. And I remember just really feeling that I, this this was just brilliant execution of kind of the process of of hitting the next golf shot. Yes. You know, and and then the swing, I remember that day, the swing, yeah, I wasn't thinking about what the swing was going to be, because the swing was at a point where you know, once I went through the process, I could just I could just pull the trigger and the ball was going somewhere in the vicinity of where I wanted to go. It's such a lovely feeling when you have that sense of being in control and having an idea where the golf shot's going to end up. And even the fact that you you had the, the you know the mental fortitude to slow things down, take control of the situation rather than letting the situation control you because in unpleasant conditions, and we've encountered a lot of them in, in, in Ireland, even in the summertime, it can be so easy for things to speed up. You think, let's just get this over with, and you actually did the opposite. Correct. I remember even, I, I, and it, it's funny when you have these pivotal moments in your life. I remember when, when my playing partners were hitting shots, I would walk over and stand under the biggest tree to stay dry. And I'm thinking, that's really clever. Why haven't I done that ever before? Right? <laughs> so it was just, I was seeing everything so yeah, clear, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, probably because I wasn't having to think about the golf shot. Exactly what right? I was going to say. You, 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 through your training and through your practice, earned the right to let your attention go elsewhere. Yeah. 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 Your attention wasn't technique, technique, no. technique. Stay dry. Yeah. You know, be relaxed. Yeah. What a difference. And that's, that's again, you know, because... Because uh, I played with Gary both those days, and he said, "Your course management." He said, "It's it's crazy." So that's where I I have to get to, and he's he's playing great golf. But um, I remember him saying, "You're just managing it so well." Yeah. And I, I think that's exactly it, Gareth. When you're not thinking about, "Oh my God, how am I going to hit that shot?" Yes. You know, you're freed from that that slavery. You know? Yeah, yeah. Swing prison. Swing prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There long enough. And I, and I and I would say that. Um, you know, for most players out there, particularly in, in this area, in this range, where we're, we, we've got down around that 90 number, you know, we're doing, we're doing well. But now, you know, breaking any five to me is such a key moment in golf because the minute you break any five, well, where's your head going next? You've got to break 79. it. You've got to get that 79 on the board. Um, and it's it's very doable. We will keep bringing you through the Forging Players series and show you how. But in terms of you know the the it's it's a key number and so we can start to get a little bit nervous as we get close to it and if you have that technical work done in the background you go hold on a second i'm good here because we track your practice sessions or you track them you share them with me and we can see on paper we can see recorded evidence that you become a better golfer so for your confidence that's huge isn't it oh massive um you know Linked to that is standing over a golf ball and going, I've hit this shot so many times. I've hit this 9-iron from 134. I love this number. I've I've hit this now so many times. I can hit this golf shot. And that's that's the only thing you think as you step in, into the ball and then away you go. And just putting your brain in such a positive frame of mind because you've because you've done it loads of times. And, and you know, each year and each month you're doing it more and more and more times and banking that and yeah. trusting yourself. You're backing yourself, right? You get to a point where you start backing yourself to hit yeah. a golf shot. And if you put a bad swing in it, bad swings can happen to everybody, right? Correct. At least you're backing yourself because you've put in you put in the work, right? You've done it. Yes, and and the the other thing, bad swings, of course, will happen. But I mean, we're watching that every every weekend on TV. If we do watch correctly, we don't just see 
amazing golf shots. There's some pretty interesting misses as well. But um, the the belief then that you start to garner in your own abilities, it's, it's really, it's something else, isn't it? I mean, you just go to the next level, not just with your, your technical abilities, but your mental abilities and your belief in, in, in yourself. I mean, how, how would you say your self-image as a golfer has developed over the last 18 months or two years? Oh, it's, it's um, I, I would say the biggest thing is that the fear of myself is gone. I'm not saying there won't be bad golf shots, yes, but the fear of myself and the fear of embarrassing myself and the fear of, you know, and again, you know, I'm not done tapping golf balls and shanking golf balls sure. far from it, right? But the fact of the matter is if you can, if you can minimize those as much as you can yeah. and hit lots of great golf shots because you know you have now hit in your, in your history is lots of good golf shots. So it's about stepping up and, and saying, yeah, I'm backing me right now. And, and even though we don't make many birdies at this level, like we stand with an iron iron, you know, from 134, 140, and we're thinking, I can make a birdie here. Right. Yeah. All we want to make is a par, of course. Right. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know, at least we have that thought process. Yeah. And we we almost look at ourselves like I'm on the telly now, going to hit this at 15 feet and roll yeah. it to birdie, and that's a nice thing. You know, having having enough ability to do that. You know, five six times out of ten, hopefully. Yeah. And having the belief that you can execute the shot when you know if and when you want to is is a it's a nice situation to be in in the golf course. It's just that that self confidence and then. It feeds itself, right? It feeds right. itself. Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say is, you know, you, you mentioned their embarrassment or maybe a lot of people talk to me about frustration, but you, you I know that right now that you would put your name on the time team with literally anybody to play off. Anybody. Yeah. And that's a freedom element as well, isn't it? Well, absolutely. Or, you know, they want you, someone asks you to play four, like someone asks you to play four ball next weekend. I'm like, absolutely. Love to do that. Yeah. Someone talks to you about playing on a team potentially. I'm like, as long as we can keep it under six hours, I have no problem doing that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, 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 all of a sudden the game is about enjoyment, right? Yes. And fun, which is kind of why I'm playing it, right? Should be. Should be. Yes, could right? be. Should so, um, no, it just, it, 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 it becomes a totally different game, you know? And yeah, I think we uh, amateurs, we have to go through a lot to, to, to finally get what the game is. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and how to play the game, right? And... And you have to learn that by, I mean, I find by reading about it, by watching a lot of it on TV. That's the other thing you said. Watch the players, see see the movements they're making. You said, think about your golf when you're not playing golf. Yes. And I, I did a lot that a lot in the last two years of, you know, I might be sitting on a work conference call and I'm thinking about my movement and the golf swing. And that helps the brain, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, that feeds the movement patterns ultimately in that, you know, you're, you're, you will have some muscle activation when you're thinking about the movement pattern and so it does further ingrain that which we're attempting to ingrain and particularly for a lot of you listeners who maybe travel a lot um you know you should watch my videos on ideal motor imagery and use that because when you're sitting in an airplane for six or seven hours and you do some long haul stuff we spoke a lot about just getting that uh, imagery going and, and almost feeding your muscles that way when you couldn't get a chance to hit balls yeah look i mean they don't like it when you take out a putter and a ball and you try and knock in that putt that travels like several miles they're not big fans of that but right. there's other things you can do right it's okay if you're on a concord well you. that's true you're right about team. Team, yeah. <laughs> go europe um so yeah and and uh, it's it's when when i think one of the very interesting things when we embarked upon this journey was just me explaining to you that we needed to move several needles to make all of this happen. I think this, this, as I say, this concept in golf that just get better at chipping and putting and you'll be, a, you know, you'll be a much better golfer. Um, but we, looking at your data, we were able to go, hold on, we've got to get you in play. Just to have a tee shot now that you can lean into, even when things aren't going great. That's the missing piece now. Yeah. That's, missing That's the next level. I mean, look at, let's talk about bunkers for a second. You remember, um, you know, you used to, 
used to get into the bunker and show me how easy it was to hit the bunker with a five, five iron, and I would, I went, that does not help me, right? <laughs> um, I used to roar at the ball to get away from the bunker, and now I'm almost asking the ball to get in the bunker yeah. because we figured out bunker shots. I mean, you remember COVID, the COVID rule for bunkers? I was jumping for joy because I was very happy to take a penalty. I think you were getting it for one penalty out of a bunker or something right, like yeah. that. Yeah, I was like winner um, because I just couldn't get out of bunkers, and that would that would ruin a strokes competition. That could just ruin the whole thing in the first hole or two. Yes, and um, and bunkers was a big long process we had to go through, and and now um, I've no problem being in the bunker. So that's uh, so that's what I want now with the tee shot. So you learn you learned how to hit bunker shots, and we now have a structure for you that stands up to you know competition yep. arena the competitive arena I learned not to hit the shots in front of my clients because that just makes them feel bad about themselves so. <laughs> no I don't hit the bunker shots <laughs> someone told me that Seve used to do it in Royal Dublin with a driver so yeah there's always another level I've seen I've seen another coach do it with a putter really yeah uh, don't think don't be bringing your fancy putters in the bunkers folks um, the the uh, the journey has been it's been great fun so far hasn't it and I mean if, if somebody approached you in the morning and said, I'm thinking about doing something like that, what would you say? Thinking about going on a, on a golfing journey. I don't see how it can happen any other way. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is a technical game. The, you know, the, the nature of the movement is technical. It has to be building blocks, right? It has to be, you know, and I do this with my kids now, things you've showed me, hitting wedges with my feet together. Right, yeah. um, hitting, you know, stopping not even three quarters of the way up, sixty percent of the way up, and letting the wedge just fall, and watching how straight and far the ball, the golf ball, and the things we did really go back to basics to try and get that that club path, you know, where it needed to be without yes. the club being, you know, way behind my ear. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't see unless you're very gifted, unless you're somebody who, you know, I suppose there are those few people um, in the world who can kind of figure it out on their own. Um, I think most of us can't. So it's got to be a question of understanding, firstly, you know, being taught the basic physics of the club, the club face on the ball yes. and how that path needs to be. And then building, 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 building. So, I, I, you know, it's like tennis. I, I, I got a tennis coach in the last year and a half. And tennis, again, is a very technical game. And to, to hit a proper forehand, I had to go back to absolute basics. Yes. So I think people don't realize, um, like, I'm lucky to work with, with quite a few elite players and people don't realize that our obsession at that level is still on the basics. It's still making sure that they're standing into the ball correctly, that their routines pre-execution are correct. Um, we don't want high-end athletes or any athlete or any, any golfer on the course in that swing prison. We don't want people thinking about intricate positions or intricate movement patterns. You just, you just can't do that for 18 holes. Um, and so, you know, it's it's at, at times now we now know your tendencies. You will have a tendency to maybe get a little bit close in your stance sure. or at times you get a little bit crouched. But that's where we always go first rather than saying, let's completely rebuild your golf swing. Yeah. Um, and I think then for you, there's that kind of solace and like, oh, it's okay. Everything hasn't fallen apart. I just have got slightly out of position. The other thing that gives you, you see, when you go through this process, is it gives you ownership of what's going on because you learn, I learn from you about you know, what are the inputs that I need to deliver? Where does the club, when I take the club away, how do I need to take away to give me the best chance of coming back square? So I learned if you give me ownership of this, and then when I'm hitting golf balls on my own, I'm thinking about how to get, how to get, and I, I can make little adjustments and even, dare say, and have a bit of fun with that kind of thing. And yes. swing inside to, inside to out, swing outside to in, see what that does. Yes. Um, you know, 
you, you, I, I've, I've never really read a golf book, but I, I think it's very hard to pick up any golf book and read it and have that level of understanding that gives you ownership. Correct. You know, I think you have to stand in, in front of somebody, you know, who's uh, who's invested in you and and your game and and is using all the different ways of teaching you. You know, depending on how you how you like to be taught. So, um, yeah, it's, it it just gives you complete ownership and then that freedom that goes with it. That's a great point about you know reading the book versus execution experimentation because I can read all I want about doing a parachute jump. But the minute that plane door opens, I think my, you know, I'd be feeling a little bit different. I wouldn't be quite as confident in my abilities to execute the, the correct jump and come out of the situation in life. I love the word ownership because, you know, one of the one of the things you were really excited about when you when you spoke to me, um, I think it was early this year. You said, "Hey, things derailed slightly." They did. And, and nor- well, during a round, you were saying, and normally that would have escalated and you would have just spiraled. Instead, you actually now have the ability to self-correct and get things back on track and shoot a good score. I can tell you, yesterday I was, a, I, I, I said to my partner, it was foursomes. I said, um, I'm gonna, I, I hadn't played well in the front nine, and I said, I, I think I'm gonna have a good back nine. And I was a different golfer in the back nine. Yes. And that never used to happen. Yeah. You know, if you started poor, you would typically, you'd hit a few good shots, but you typically finish, you know, all 18, very disappointed. But now to be able to kind of just, just go back to those basics. Yes. Yeah. That reboot um, and no ownership. And, and I think the other thing it leaves you, it leaves you Teflon coated on the golf course when the commentary starts. Oh, you lifted your head. Oh, you didn't keep your left arm straight. Oh, that swing was too quick, right? And, and you know, I'm glad you just laughed there because we shouldn't be hearing these things on the golf course. But you know, you can just look at that player and smile and say thank you, and then do the correct things for yeah. yourself because you know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Gabe, I want to say thank you. We're, we're trending beautifully. We're becoming that developing player. We're in that kind of mid-80s. We're going to get that under 85, and then we're going to start talking about the next level again. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks, Gareth. It's been great. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. And uh, we will see you again soon. See you soon. Thanks for listening, folks. That interview was absolutely fascinating. Um, I love hearing everything we just talked about in the beginning, Gabe just spoke of. So, Gareth, I guess you're doing it right. Well, Brian, you know, I, I think it's important for me to say as well, what I would have done four years ago, and, and, and I, am, I am an eternal student, as you know, I'm always reading, I'm always upskilling, I'm always studying, I'm trying to figure things out so I can assist my, my clients better, because I, I don't consider myself a teacher, I'm a coach, and there's relationships here, and you, you know, you, you, you are, like, I really want to see my players achieve their goals, if they're committed to them, um, but my journey with Gabe has been hugely uh, influenced by what you guys figured out with the with the different steps and how we kind of look at that now and we know the parameters he needs to hit and we were able to design a game plan for him which lets him go to his home course um, be highly competitive he's tumbled I, I don't know like nine shots in a year off his handicap nice. so he's he's gone well um, and his, his whole approach what I love for the player who is committed to this is they go from worrying about their ability to hit a golf ball to actually playing the game of golf. And it's amazing how few people get to the point where they're playing the game of golf. They're, they're the golf course is talking to them. They're reacting to the, you know, the architecture, the environment, the different contouring and all that. Very few people get there because they're so obsessed. They're in swing prison and they're so obsessed with technique. So I just think it's great to see a player like that, you know, who's come out the other side. Yeah. Uh, and really, and he, he just loves the game of golf now. Like he's, it's, it's fun being around him. I think you need to trademark uh, swing prison. Swing prison. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could make some really cool t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> but no, I agree. I, you know, every, even at, even collegiately, even at the highest level, we have a lot of players that are very talented that were on the tee box thinking about P1, P3, P6, what, whatever their coach or whatever that, again, they forget that they're playing a game. Yeah. And, I, you know, the one thing I've learned, I've gotten older now, and granted, I didn't do this when I was younger. Now, I was pretty self-taught, so I didn't have a lot of P6 thoughts. You know, basically, I just tried to figure out how to get the face on the ball and hit it relatively straight. Um, so, to me, what I've gotten better and more savvy as is, is I understand the golf course. I understand what the hole looks like. I understand my capabilities, and I really play each hole and try to put myself in a position where I can basically make par and if I hit it close or make a long putt great if not you know so be it I move on to the next hole you know so I think you know that's just age and experience and just an understanding of what what I'm capable of I would say also uh and also plenty of pain oh a lot of pain (laughs) when you do it when you do a lot of dumb stuff on the golf course and I'm speaking about my experiences here folks but I know Brian will have the same you know, at a certain point, you really should be turning around going, why the hell did I do that again, right? <laughs> and eventually, you go, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to turn what should have been a chance at a pretty comfortable part into a, a, just the most glorious eight you've ever seen. You that's just, right. You just go, that's it. I'm done with the stupid stuff. <laughs> well, we used to always say at college, we were like, we know physical errors are going to happen. Just don't let stupid show up. Like, yeah. literally, that was the ethos of our team. Like, just don't let stupid show up today. Like, you can be dumb. You can be, you can hit bad shots but just don't be stupid don't compound don't yeah, don't allow yeah. error after error after that that's unacceptable but we understand that but I, I again that concept is, is as a player when you have ownership you understand your goals what you're capable of and now you go set up your plan for the golf course and I would really encourage you to sit down with your coach if you have a big event member members coming up we have a you know a tournament with another club and we're going to their club sitting down and saying, all right, what am I capable of? What are my dispersions? Where where should I be targeting? With Google Maps, all these apps, you can actually play golf courses in your mind, physically move golf balls around. So I think to me, you know, that next development is, you know, once you you have a game that's somewhat proficient, and if you're shooting in the 80s, you're you're getting pretty. You're doing okay. You're you're doing pretty good. You're better than a lot of golfers in the world, right? You're better than half the golfers in the world. So we're starting to do a lot of things right. So can we, yes, can we get technically better? Yes, can we get short game better? But yes, can we play the golf course better? Can we learn to play golf? And I think to me, that is a piece that people really fail at. We as coaches fail at is collectively is we don't prepare them for golf. We prepare them for a beautiful golf swing or, you know, some wonderful numbers that pop up on a box. Um, but how does that actually translate into golf? So I think what I've learned from Game Forge and all this is all these technique pieces have to move and all that, but it's really an overdriving forces. Do they understand what it takes to play golf? Do they understand where they need to be, where the pins are, what their predominant shots are? Wh- what What's that dispersion look like? When you aim here, will it bring trouble into play? Even if you hit a good shot, you know, starting to understand management of what their current game is to allow them to succeed and shoot a number that they want to shoot opposed to, like I said, 95% of all golfers out there worrying about some swing technique piece, which is, which I think, I, I think probably Gabe would probably say he was in that camp before he kind of changed his mindset. And and we all are because that's the way we learn or that's the way we're being taught by the masses from YouTube to golf magazines to golf on TV to a lot of coaches, a lot of swing coaches are just teaching you, the technical pieces to hit a ball 
but they forget that, you know, you know, it's like that Robin Williams. I, I, I saw it the other day, you know, Oh, I'm going to make this game really hard. And I'm going to put stuff in front of you. There's a tree and a water and like, that's golf. It's, it's not in a room with a box hitting it into a net. I mean, there's wind, there's sun, there's dew, there's angles, there's trees, there's all these pieces, people watching you, you know, God forbid you play a pro-am and you got a couple hundred people watching you on a tee box. Welcome to a brand new game. Um, So again, it's, it's, it's getting your player ready for that. And again, I think the journey as you're starting to get in that eighties, you know, the beauty is, is yes, we're going to get better technically, but I think understanding and managing how to play the game is really, really important. And for us as performance coaches, that's really kind of our our niche where we can say, hey, here's how to play the golf different. Like we can teach you how to start moving around the golf course, what your shots would look like, where to aim uh, and, and to maximize what you're doing opposed to, again, hope. Yeah, I think as well, Brian, the, the, you know, from an enjoyment perspective, um, when when we free up people's attention, which is what we're doing, when we get them away from you know lots of technical thought, they, they, you know the golf course starts speaking to them. It reveals itself, and and yep. you suddenly go, "Wow, I never looked at this golf ball like this before." And I'm like, "Well, you know, you can now use those contours and do X, Y, and Z." And they're like, "I never thought of that before. I was too busy worrying about just trying to get into, as you say, you know, the perfect position on a backswing." And hey, you, it, it, that that's sure. There's technical stuff, and we we're not ignoring that, but but there's probably too much emphasis on the technical and not enough in just the art of playing the game of golf. Yeah, no, I, and it is an art and it's an understanding. Um, I, I've probably given this story before. I actually went and mapped a golf course, green course, back in the olden days before we had all these digital scans. Um, there's a big amateur event that's played here in, in Charlottesville. Uh, a guy was coming in. He's actually a tour player now. Came into town. Uh, his coach called me and I walked 18 holes with him. I kind of mapped the greens. High point, low points, percentages you want to pay attention to, you know, kind of just a general overflow of what the green looks like. And we're so I'm, I, I never knew this person about whole 17 in. We created a rapport. We're having fun. You know, we've been stuck together for four hours and, you know, on 17. And there's this really crazy par three, this huge incline. The pin stuck right before this huge incline. He short sided himself. And we're walking over and I was just being a jerk. And I was like, I bet I can hit it closer than you can. And I haven't hit his shot all day. Right. So he yeah. pulls out a lob wedge, hits the most beautiful flop shot, hits it to about four feet. He hands me his wedge. I go, no, no, I don't want that. I grab a five iron and I just chip blade the ugliest shot on earth. And I run it way up the hill, but I know the hill's about 8% greens are rolling about 11 and it just comes screaming down off the hill and it rolls about this to the hole. And I was like, pays to know. <laughs> it just yeah. pays to know. Like you hit a great shot and I could not hit the shot you just hit, but I'm inside of you, bro. <laughs> yeah. So again, that's the golf course speaking to you, understanding what's what the golf course is going to allow you to do. And the beauty of golf courses, a lot of times they give you some fudge room. They, oh, yeah. you can, if you're smart enough and you'll see it coming into Augusta, right? They hit it in the front left of the green and it ends up back right corner, right? They they know what they're doing. They're trying to hit it in a certain spot. Now, Augusta's brutal because their green speed's way up there. So, you know, their targets, they're hitting are really, really small if they want to manage to stay in one spot. And that's why I think Augusta's really funny because they end up in really funny spots because they they literally miss their landing area by a foot, foot and a half, and they end up 60 feet from the hole. A great shot, but that's the way that golf course is designed. So, again, if you understand the golf course, hear what's being said to you, you can really use the golf course to your advantage a lot of times. 
if I hit it here, it's going to give me this shot. If I hit it here, it'll keep me away from this. You know, so I think, again, understanding that you're trying to play a game, like you said, opposed to worrying about how to swing it. Um, golf is a lot more fun. I, I'm a moron. So when I'm on the golf course, I really have almost no swing thoughts. I really just pick a target and kind of say, all right, my face needs to be roughly here to get there. And I just go, you know, so, but I'm a, I'm a big dummy. So if I get away with that for, for the really smart people out there. You've got to learn to tone that brain back. And, and again, that's where I always say Dustin Johnson's brilliant. You know, he's, he plays the golf, like, you know, he's kind of mindless. He just goes and hits great shot after great shot. Now he's talented. He's gifted, but you know, most people say he's, you know, not the sharpest. <laughs> he's he's not going to be a neurosurgeon, which is fine. Neither Thank am you. I. <laughs> so I have that in common, Dustin. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, any any closing remarks? I know you're in Morocco. Hey, liquid IV guys, you got you you Irishmen are not used to that hot weather. So a no. lot of liquid IV, a lot of fine shade when you can find it. Umbrellas are great. <laughs> So I were like, yeah, no, uh, I, 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 I have learned over the years, water is a very important substance. Um, so there's a lot of that going in here. But you know what? I think, I think the, the one remark I will make is, what, you know, get on the journey, but make sure there's a plan to your journey. If you, you know, it's just saying I want to get better. Well, what does that look like? I don't, I don't know. Go find somebody who understands the data. And if you, if you need to talk to us directly online, get in contact with us, we share the numbers, we can do some online coaching. Um, and, and, you know, you take responsibility, begin the journey, have a plan and understand that this is not linear. This won't just kick in immediately. But if you keep doing the assessments and you see the progress, you, you know, you, you establish what I call confidence based on facts. You don't have an opinion of a coach going, I think you're swinging better or one we, one we hear a lot. Well, their putting stroke is much better. Yes, but they're holding less putts. Right. So, oh, the data looks great. Well, yeah, but, you know, they're missing now from six feet all the time. So I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested in their, <laughs> their, their little box data, right? The numbers from the box. I want to okay. see them being better as a player. So for the players who are working with us and, and, and working their way through the journey, you know, keep keep doing your assessments and keep tracking them because you it's not somebody's opinion that you're getting better. The raw hard data tells you you're getting better and i think that confidence that you you derive from that on the golf course is huge i agree with that i agree with that and i'm going to leave it with that so gary thank you so much mark sweeney uh you're walking uh one of the suburbs golf courses of augusta i hope your player makes it um to sunday play out or saturday play out at augusta in the final round and I hope, again, she's very understanding as she's looping her own bag after about six holes. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Gabe, thank you so much for your time and, and, uh, and jumping in an interview with Gareth. Gareth, enjoy Morocco. Uh, have fun. And we look forward to bringing you more in the hunt in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a Fuel production.